This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. All praise is indeed due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his companions, his household. May Allah bless them all and bless every one of us and grant us every form of goodness. Amin. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this beautiful conference once again. And we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us an opportunity, even during these trying times, to gather together in a different way in order to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to remind each other to be the best of people and to improve ourselves, especially in our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One day the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was seated with his companions and a man came to him. When that man came to him, subhanallah, the people say he was so good looking and he was so fresh he was dressed in white, he had black hair, and it seemed like he hadn't been on journey, yet none of us knew him, which means that he was not from the city, yet he didn't have any signs of having undertaken a long journey. And so they were surprised, they watched him, he came in and he sat right in front of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he, he made sure that his knees were touching the knees of the Prophet sallallahu He sat so close, they were right on the knees of the Prophet sallallahu And he asked him a question. He says, what is Islam? The Prophet sallallahu explained to him the pillars of Islam. Islam is to bear witness that there is none worthy of worship besides Allah and that I am the messenger of Allah to fulfill your prayer, to give your charities, to fast in Ramadan and to go for Hajj for the one who is able and capable. So he says, you have spoken the truth. That's true. That's correct. You know, sadaqt. Sadaqt in the Arabic language actually means you've spoken the truth. But we would say correct, like you're ticking it to say, yes, you got that right. That was very surprising because the companions who were seated, they had so much of etiquette that they had questions bubbling in their hearts and minds, but they always waited for the right moment to ask those questions. In the meantime, because the Prophet ﷺ was there dealing with a person, they didn't interfere in that discussion. So they didn't say to him, how can you say that you're right when you're the one who asked the question? Now, that is amazing because it crossed their minds. They all say, Ajibna lahu, yas'aluhu wa yusaddiquhu. We were surprised by this man. He, he's asking and he's saying, yeah, you're right. So what's the point of asking? Subhanallah. And you're asking a prophet. And he continued. He says, mal iman. What is iman? So this man 
asking the question to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ answered the question with the pillars of Iman. He says, and tu'mina billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubi. To believe in Allah, to believe in the angels, to believe in uh, the books, to believe in... And he mentioned all of the pillars of Iman, subhanallah. You know, the last day, fate, good and bad is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, mm, correct, correct, sadaqt. You know, you spoke the truth here, it's right. So they say again, we were surprised, you know, uh, as to what exactly... This man was intending. He's asking and at the same time he is saying you're right. And then he asked a third question and a fourth question and a fifth question. And subhanallah, these questions became more and more detailed and more interesting. So he says, Mal Ihsan. After he asked about Islam and Iman, then he says, What, what is Ihsan? The Prophet says, Al Ihsanu an Ta'budallaha ka anna فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكِ Amazing. He says, Ihsan is to worship Allah كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ As though you are seeing Him. To worship Allah. Ihsan is to worship Allah as though you are seeing Him. And if you cannot do that, then at least as though He is seeing you. فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكِ if you cannot do that, you need to know he is seeing you and you believe it and you feel it. Now that was something that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum learned from. We learned, it's come to us today. And then he asked about the hour and when it's going to be. And the famous response of the Prophet was, Mal mas'ulu anha bi'a'lama min as-sail. The one who is being questioned does not know more than the one who is questioning in this particular regard. Amazing. Which means the hour, Allah knows. Allah has kept it to Himself. Now, if you look at that, uh, it would need for us to understand, well, roughly when is it going to come? So the next question came in, what are the signs of the hour? And He gave a few signs. Now, because our topic today is Al-Ihsan, I decided to start off with this hadith to put things into perspective. Where did we get this from? You know, what is Ihsan? So when you're a Muslim, you have submitted physically. When you're a Mu'min, you have submitted within your heart as well. So not every Muslim is a Mu'min, but every Mu'min is always a Muslim. What does that mean? Usually when these are mentioned together, they have... They are referring to two different things. When someone says, oh, you're a Muslim, they're just speaking about Islam and Iman together because they're only asking one thing. But when, when both of these are mentioned together, they are referring to two different things. One is physical and one is within the heart. Subhanallah. And this has been explained so beautifully by many of the scholars who have actually said, when the two of them are together, then they have uh, separate meanings. And when the two of them are separated, they, have, they, they are referring to the same thing, basically. So, like I say, someone says, are you a mu'min? You say, yes. And uh, someone says, are you a Muslim? Yes. Now, if you look at the verse of Surah Al-Hujurat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a very interestingly, The Bedouin Arabs, they said, we are believers. Now, in order to distinguish between Islam and Iman, the Prophet ﷺ says, in fact, Allah revealed the verse to say, 
قُلْ لَمْ تُؤْمِنُوا Say to them, O Messenger, that you have not yet believed. وَلَكِنْ قُولُوا أَسْلَمْنَا But say, we have submitted physically. وَلَمَّا يَدْخُلِ الْإِيمَانُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ But that iman has not yet entered into your heart. It has to, you know, you have to work on that iman, the belief. Many people, they say we're Muslim, they fulfill salah, etc., etc. But their, their belief in Allah is weak. Their conviction in Allah is weak. Their, their relationship with Allah is weak. So what we need to realize is you have to work on your connection with Allah and your belief, your faith. And that will only happen by uh, the constant reminder within the Quran and the Sunnah. And at the same time, your ibadah, your acts of worship and your constant reminder to yourself about Allah. And you build on it and you lay your trust in Allah. Learn. Without knowledge, you cannot have the true belief. Because knowledge first leads you to submit and then you see the fruits of it and you believe it. You know, we are more convinced about matters of belief than we are as Muslims and mu'mineen regarding what we see with our own eyes. That's how it should be. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and grant us all goodness. So when the topic came about of the third matter being asked, Mal Ihsan, and the answer came in, now I want to fast forward it to the end of the hadith. When the man got up and walked away, the Prophet ﷺ asked his companions, do you know who that was? So they said, you know, you know better. Allah, Allah and his messenger know better. He says, that was Jibreel. That was Jibreel. He came to teach you your deen, your religion. He came to teach you. He was sent by Allah to do what he just did in your presence so that you could hear the questions and learn from the answers and so that you could learn your faith. Now that's amazing because look at the mercy of Allah. In order to teach us, he sent Jibreel and he asked questions and the Messenger answered the questions and who benefited? We all benefited. So that teaches us that sometimes when, when someone else asks a question, listen attentively, you may benefit from the answer. Subhanallah, you may benefit from the answer. Now, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the level of ihsan, ihsan is a very high level because I might be a mu'min, I'm a mu'min, I believe in Allah, I'm convinced, I have that faith in my heart. So I have adopted the pillars of Islam. If you notice the pillars of Islam, they can be seen. Someone says, I went for Hajj. You say, mm, I can see him going for Hajj. I can see him abstaining from food. That's uh, fasting in Ramadan. I can see this person pray. I can see this person utter the Shahada. The utterance of the Shahada is a pillar of Islam. But the pillar of Iman is the believing of that Shahada within your heart. That's a pillar of Iman. To believe within your heart, no one can see the Iman in your heart besides Allah. So that's why when Allah says, وَلَمَّا يَدْخُلِ الْإِيمَانُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ Regarding the Bedouin Arabs, he was drawing their attention to the fact that you need to work on yourself. That conviction. Subhanallah. Now, from there, the Prophet ﷺ, when he explained to us to worship Allah, كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ As though you are, you are watching him, you can see him. The first question that can come to a person's mind is, how do I do that? You know, how is it that I can worship Allah as though I can see Him? I've never seen Allah. We have not seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's true. 
and you know nurun he obviously it's he is light allahu nurus samawati wal ard and we don't we we would not be able to see him in this world so how do i do that well you imagine yourself as a small creature among the creatures of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala worshiping your maker it's not like you put something in front of you in order to imagine that there is a thing in front of me no not at all but rather allah i am doing this for allah and it is allah who is the owner of entire creation all the galaxies and everything that he has made and here i am so insignificant if you want to know how insignificant we are i just for a moment do you know as you take off on a plane things become smaller and smaller because you are climbing 10000 20000 30 40000 feet above sea level and things are so minute you can't really see them you can you can just see a few great landmarks and as you go way beyond you can see the whole earth is just like a ball a small ball on that ball there are billions of people each one thinks he's a big boss you know each one thinks that he is a big person and he is important and so on but in actual fact that globe the whole globe itself becomes like a speck of dust from a distance and all that distance was created by allah and then you see the sun which is way bigger than the earth you see the other planets that are huge one thing that made me realize the one of the factors that made me realize the greatness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is when i heard as we were studying that the stars that we see in the sky are actually so far away that the distance between us and them is calculated in light years and what is a light year the speed of light if it were to move for one whole year that's called one light year now now do you realize that the closest star to us is four and a half light years away and what that means is when we see a falling star we say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyil azim a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim we know that allah explains it in the quran ja'alnaha rujuman lish shayatin allah pelts the shayatin that who are trying to transgress with the stars right so when you see that falling star in when i'm seeing it in my in my life as a human being that star fell four and a half years back minimum because that's the closest star there's other ones are 10 10 year, light years away so four and a half years ago it fell and i'm seeing it four and a half years later how insignificant am i i'm seeing something that happened four and a half years ago as though it is live happening now it's not that light that traveled to you reached you four and a half years later now imagine i'm fulfilling salah for someone who has created all of this creation keep that in your mind keep that you say allahu akbar and think to yourself i'm so insignificant this is allah subhanallah subhanallah i'm so insignificant i'm doing this for allah i'm actually worshiping allah my maker as though The Prophet sallam says ka'annaka tarah as though you are seeing him 
And subhanallah, you're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, dedicated, thinking about Allah, the day we're going to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One wonders the light, how it will be, the coolness of the eye, and the communication that will be happening between us and Allah will be so amazing. Now, when he says, It's not only about salah, it is about all acts of worship, whatever you're doing, remember Allah is watching. Allah is hearing. Subhanallah. It will not escape Allah's knowledge at all. Allah knows everything. So when you are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it is zakah, whether it is tilawatul Qur'an, whether it is psalm or hajj, the pillars, or that which is voluntary, anything, even your, your speech, whatever you're doing in your life, have an intention that I'm doing this for the pleasure of Allah. I'm doing this for the sake of Allah. I'm doing this in order to earn reward so that I can earn the pleasure of Allah, His mercy, which will grant me entry into Jannatul Firdaus. And why I say His mercy will grant us entry into Jannatul Firdaus, because when we do deeds as human beings, we will never have 100% concentration. But we will try. And when we try, the fact that we have tried, Allah's mercy will then grant us acceptance and entry into Jannatul Firdaus. Allah's mercy will grant us forgiveness for our shortcomings. That is Allah, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. So developing the relationship with Allah is such that whenever a person does a good deed, he, he thanks Allah for giving him that opportunity and he does it for Allah. Now, by saying that I'm going to do these deeds for Allah, one massive thing happens and that is you protect yourself from what is known as shirk. You protect yourself from what is known as association of partners with Allah, which is the biggest sin that could be committed. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَن يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ Allah says, Allah will not forgive the association of partnership with Him. Besides that, the sins that are committed, He may forgive whatever He wants from it. So He's made a little promise here. And for us, it's a massive thing because it's the only thing he says, this I won't forgive. Be conscious of it, shirk. So when you arrive at ihsan, it is a protection against shirk. That's what it is. Because if you are to worship Allah as though you're watching him, you've actually taken, as though you can see him, you've taken everything and everyone else out of the equation. That's the minimum you will achieve. So it would be right to say that to achieve ihsan, you need to protect yourself from all forms of shirk. Otherwise, you will not be able to achieve ihsan. Because to do an act of worship for someone or something besides Allah would negate ihsan on one hand and would actually make us be plunging into the biggest possible sin, which is shirk. Subhanallah. So may Allah grant us ihsan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the muhsineen. Now, for a moment, if you take a look at the meaning of ihsan and muhsin, muhsin is one who does good. Ihsan is some goodness that is done. Subhanallah. 
So, Wallahu yuhibbul muhsineen. Allah loves those who do good. The highest level of goodness for yourself is to worship Allah alone. And to worship Allah dedicated to Allah alone. That is very, very important. Now, I have to add another point to this because sometimes a person might do an act of worship and say, I did this only for Allah, but it is rejected for another reason. There is only one other reason that that act of worship could be rejected. Say, for example, I do an act of worship only for the sake of Allah. Why would that be rejected? It would only be rejected if I did an act of worship that was not taught, instructed by the Prophet Muhammad Acts of worship are something that we cannot just come up with. We have to be taught them. We have to follow how Allah wanted to be worshipped and how he wants to be worshipped is not up to me, it's up to him. So he sent messengers for that particular reason to show us how to worship him. That's why he sent the messengers. Otherwise, there would be no point in sending the messengers. We could have all come up with our own acts of worship. And each one would be doing things, one clapping his hands, one whistling, and so on. Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ صَلَاتُهُمْ عِنْدَ الْبَيْتِ إِلَّا مُكَاءً Allah speaks about the pagan Arabs. And Allah says, their prayer was nothing besides whistling and clapping and so on, and making a noise. You know, at the Kaaba, that's what they used to do. So those acts of worship are foolish. Someone cannot start jumping, jumping and claim that this is only for Allah. You know, it's, it's actually very foolish. So there is no point in saying I am worshipping Allah alone as though I can see him. I'm doing it dedicated for him. When that is not considered an act of worship according to the teachings of the Prophet ﷺ in Islam. It has to be taught by the Prophet ﷺ. So here we, fa- we have found that to develop Ihsan, you need to worship Allah as per the teaching of Muhammad ﷺ in a way that you have associated no partners with him and you've done the right thing. And that's why Allah says, at the end of Surah Al-Kahf, Allah says, Whoever is looking forward to the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whoever is looking forward to meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he should do two things. He should do he should do acceptable deeds. Salih. Salih means this is acceptable. It is good. And he should not associate with his Lord anyone. No one should be associated as a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is meant by good deeds? The deeds that are taught by the messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, those are acceptable deeds, you know. Uh, when we use the term salih, it's actually that which is acceptable. You know, when they speak about an expiry date of a product, they say salahiyya, muddat salahiyyata. 
you know, the, the, the time of it being acceptable is up to this date. Muddat salahiyyata, the time of being acceptable. So why am I saying this? Because that term salah or salih refers to the acceptability of something. And it can only be acceptable if it was taught by the Prophet Muhammad And this is where we get those two things. It's in more than one place in the Quran where Allah has mentioned both of these things to say, you don't associate partners with me, but at the same time, make sure that the deeds you're doing are acceptable because I have sent them down to the messenger and he taught them to you. And that is the cornerstone of Islam. And that is what Allah expects from us. We have been given the five salah a day. We have to make sure we fulfill the salah according to the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad to the best of our knowledge. And we do it dedicated for Allah. Now, it's not going to be easy for us to have that maximum concentration. In fact, it's impossible to have 100%, but the maximum concentration all the time. Sometimes we're human beings. You know what will happen? You're busy one day, you're tired one day, you have had a lot of things one day. And so what may happen is you'll find your concentration fluctuating. You're just a human being. You're just a human being. As you get used to things, you will become more dedicated, inshallah. And when you become dedicated, your concentration levels, it becomes an art where you actually learn how to block off all distraction, switch off completely and plug in to this act of worship, especially when it comes to salah. Like I said, it's got to do with all acts of worship, but salah requires concentration. Subhanallah. And to prove that not you won't be on that level all the time, or you would probably uh, need some form of adjustment now and again, positive adjustment, that hadith doesn't just end by saying, or that question, the answer of it doesn't end by saying, It was enough to say that. You know, that you worship Allah as though you are seeing Him. But it continues to say, if you are not going to see him, if you cannot see him, you know, you have not arrived at that level. You're, you're not on that, posi- on that point. فَإِنَّهُ yarak, You know he is watching you. These together bring about a lot of consciousness of Allah. Taqwa. When people say taqwa, they talk about consciousness of Allah. Be aware of Allah all the time. Be aware of Allah. In that case, you will stay away from sin and you will fulfill all the, the, that which is compulsory and even more. You know, uh, when you look at the prayer, Salah, Salah has some acts of worship, which are meaning some uh, units which are prior to the prayer, uh, to the farad, to the compulsory prayer, and some which are after. They are either sunnah or nafil in most cases. So it has ablution, a wudu. Before you pray, you're already actually uh, uh, tuning your mind to gear yourself towards this act of worship that's going to require concentration. So already you're walking towards the masjid, you get in, you're washing yourself. All this is taking away distraction. You're you're beginning to focus. You're going to get into the center of the worship just now. So... Salah is not acceptable without wudu. Wudu precedes the salah. You have to have made that wudu. Then you walk into the masjid and 
you will start with your nafila or your tahiyatul masjid, uh, the sunnah, uh, and so on. And thereafter, you may sit for a few moments when salatul jama'ah commences, you will be ready now. Allahu Akbar, you started your prayer, Allah is the greatest. I have found in my own life, just a tip that I can give you, if you concentrate on the meanings of what you're saying, your plug-in with Allah becomes far better than what it is if you were not to concentrate. This is something very interesting. So you concentrate on the meaning and you make sure that you have uh, tried your best to understand what you're saying. One of the weaknesses we have as Muslims across the globe, we have made no attempt to learn the Arabic language to the degree where we can understand the Quran. We can understand what we are saying. Make an, make an effort. If it was something more interesting for some, astaghfirullah, the most interesting thing should be the Quran. But you have young people and old, they say, oh, you know, the, what's more interesting uh, is this and is that. No way. Your games and your playstations and whatever else, yes, there may be a scope of permissibility with some of that. But what is much more important is to master the Qur'an. That is much more important. Allah will raise with this Qur'an certain people. And some will drop because of the same Qur'an, because they made no effort to learn it, to put it into practice, to teach it to others, and so on. Those who made an effort, Allah opens the doors for them. The Qur'an is the truest word in existence. And the Qur'an is such that if you are to learn it, it will open all other doors in this dunya for you. The owner of the door you want opened is the one who sent to you the Qur'an, and you haven't made an effort to learn that Qur'an. The owner of sustenance, the owner of the jobs, the owner of the whatever else you want in this life, the owner of all of that is the one who sent you the Qur'an and you haven't made an effort to learn the Qur'an. Your relationship with Allah should be that of love. You love Allah. You are worshipping Allah out of the love you have. And yes, fear of doing something that would anger the one whom you love. I always say that when it comes to the, the balance between hope and fear, and when it comes to the speech about love and fear, we need to understand when someone says fear Allah, what it means is, it is that fear which is born out of love. And just to explain it quickly for those who might not have heard this before, when you love someone so dearly, you don't want to do anything that will affect the relationship. You know, you love your spouse, you love your parent, for example, your child or whoever it may be. And what happens is you then try not to do anything that will hinder the relationship because you love them so much. That's how the relationship should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You love Allah so much that you don't want to do anything that will blemish that relationship. You don't want the anger of Allah. You don't want the punishment of Allah. Imagine Allah, you love him so much. He made you, you are at his mercy and you've angered him and now you're going to be punished. No way, that shouldn't be. And this is why part of Ihsan is to seek forgiveness of Allah. Because naturally and automatically, whenever we do things and we have done them for the sake of Allah, we still seek the forgiveness of Allah. Oh Allah, forgive me for that which I know, that which I don't know. If a person committed a sin, for example, the minute they think about Allah, remember, 
Tawbah is an act of worship. So when you're making that Tawbah, you're going to be thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to be uh, doing it for the sake of Allah. Why does Allah love Tawbah so much? Why does He love repentance so much? He loves repentance because it is an act of worship, acknowledging that He can actually reward you or punish you. And you're saying, reward me, don't punish me. So you have you have worshipped him upon the level he is in the sense that he is the owner of the punishment or the reward and you are acknowledging it by saying oh Allah I seek your forgiveness don't punish me oh Allah grant me freedom from the fire Allah loves it so much there is a hadith that comes to my mind where the Prophet speaks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and and, uh, where Allah is speaking to the angels about someone who committed a sin and sought forgiveness and then committed a sin and sought forgiveness and then committed it a third time and sought forgiveness and Allah is telling the angels you see my worshipper here alima abdi anna lahu rabban ya'khudhu bidhanbi wa yaghfiruh ushidukum anni ghafartu lah my slave has no, now recognizes that he has a lord who can either punish him or forgive him i want you to bear witness that I have forgiven him. Subhanallah. That is Allah. This is the mercy of Allah. These are the benefits of Ihsan, where you will enjoy your act of worship. You enjoy it so much. It's no longer a chore. It's not a burden. When you have to read Quran, you are sitting there. It should be difficult to get you away from the recitation of the Quran in an even bigger way than it is to get a child away from the game that they're playing or the movie that they're watching. Astaghfirullah. But that's an example I'm giving simply because it's a reality in many homes where when your child is doing something they love on the computer or somewhere on on the phone to try and get them to the table to eat is such a big mission because they're in love with what they're doing. What if that was the case with us and the Quran? Where if I'm in ibadah, if I'm with the Quran, if I'm with my dhikr, it will be so hard to get me out of this position because I'm in love with what I'm doing. Subhanallah, think about what I've said. That is now a level we should be trying to get ourselves to by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where we enjoy worship, when our children see us, when those around us see us. We're not doing it for them, but when they see us, they will feel within them, this is something I want to do, because look at my mother, look at my dad, look at my, my brother, or whoever else it may be. Sometimes even it's, it's even the child. When they are in, when they are doing this ibadah, they are so happy, they are enjoying it, they are so excited. I want the same excitement, and that's why the Sahaba radiAllahu anhum used to say, if the kings and the leaders of the world knew what peace and what we have within us, meaning the deen of Allah and the worship of Allah alone, they would fight us with swords to take away this peace, to have it for themselves. Subhanallah. But sometimes we are Muslims, we don't have the peace within ourselves. Let it, inshallah, be that we work on ourselves, we work on this ihsan, we work on developing this relation. And remember, Allah loves those who are muhsineen. Now, one more point I want to mention about ihsan. If you take a look at Yusuf salam's story, he went through hardship and difficulty. He went through a whole lot from a young age. He was thrown into the well, 
because of the jealousy of his brothers. He faced that jealousy. Later on, he was accused of something. He was jailed. He came out. Something else happened, one after the other. And after many years, he was reunited with his father and his family. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word muhsineen in a certain verse, which is very interesting. When Yusuf alayhi salam finally met his brothers, Allah says, Inna allaha la yudhi'u al Allah will never waste the reward of the muhsineen, those who do good, those who are kind-hearted. Those who do good for the sake of Allah. Allah will never waste their reward. Your reward will pile up and one day you will see it. Now, why am I giving you this example? We are going through trying times. People are losing their jobs. People have lost a lot of things. People perhaps have had to adjust their lives. People have lost loved ones. People themselves have lost their health in some cases. Allah says, Inna Allah la ajr al you know, Yusuf alayhi salam's time, they struggled for seven years, drought. They had to make do with whatever they had stored and kept as reserve. So they had to minimize their consumption. They had to adjust their lifestyle of eating and, and drinking and whatever else it was. Because the water was short, there was a drought. And so when they adjusted it, how long did it last? Seven whole years. And then Allah says, after those seven years, a year will come when everyone will be happy, the rains will come and everyone will be drinking from the fruit juices and whatever else it may be, squeezed. So seven years, there was good provision, seven years of drought, and thereafter, things returned to normal. We are facing this type of challenge at the moment. I want to tell you, If you're a doer of good and you're a kind-hearted person and you worship Allah in the proper manner without associating partners with Him, according to the teachings of the Prophet you bear patience. When you bear patience, Allah regards you as a muhsin just like He regarded Yusuf and Yaqub Allah, Allah says they were muhsineen. And there are so many other verses in the Quran that refer to muhsineen. I wouldn't have the time to go through each one of them, but it's interesting to go and look at why did Allah use the term muhsin to refer to these people or this category of uh, person or these qualities. You will always find it's to do with patience, it's to do with ibadah, it's to do with uh, forbearance, it's to do with uh, trusting Allah, it's to do with being happy with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, going through a hardship and still thanking Allah and not becoming distant from Allah because when Allah puts hardship in your life, He's giving you an opportunity to engage in an act of worship He loves so much that would not have been possible if that Difficulty did not come into your life. What is it called? Sabr. Sabr is a unique act of worship because it's the only act of worship that Allah gives you a chance to engage in because of difficulty and calamity. Subhanallah. You have difficulty and calamity and Allah gives you an opportunity to engage in an ibadah known as sabr. Well, actually there are other acts of worship. You could engage in salah and so on, but that happens even if you don't have hardship. During hardship, you will need to bear that sabr. 
and Allah will give you such a reward for the sabr. إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ Beautiful verse. Allah says, Allah recompenses. Now recompenses, the term يُوَفَّ, it actually refers to like a deal. We are recompensing you. There was something and we are, re- we are recompensing. So Allah recompenses the one who had to bear sabr or who bore sabr without hisab, without account, unlimited. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant that to us. So these are the few words I've, I've shared with you today. I pray that we benefit and may Allah grant us all ihsan and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala develop us and may we make an effort towards that أقول قولي هذا وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد